This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This summer, L.L. Bean invites you to simply step outside and enjoy the fresh air and sunshine. We'll be your guide with tips and advice to get more out of every moment outdoors. Here's one. On your next camping trip, turn a headlamp into a lantern in five seconds. Strap the headlamp around an empty, clear water bottle or milk jug and turn it on. The soft white light will brighten up a tent. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com slash guide. Picture this, you're fully immersed in your podcast because in the back of your mind, you're not trying to recall when that deadline was supposed to be or stressing to keep everyone updated on next steps. MeetMonday.com, a work management platform that makes having peace of mind easy. With Monday.com, all your work lives in one centralized place. You can automate updates to keep team members up to speed and ensure nothing falls through the cracks, even while you're enjoying your favorite podcast. To start your 14-day free trial, go to Monday.com. Tonight, Panorama focuses on the terrorist gangs who follow one small second division club, Millwall, in London's Dockland. Deliberately, we're looking at this violence. I've travelled far and wide, across the great divide. I've even sailed the seven seas. I've orbited in space, in almost every place. I've even climbed the Pyrenees. But no longer will I roam. There is no place like home. Hello everyone, welcome back to another edition of That Mill Podcast. Today you've got a post-season, I guess pre-season chat, joined by myself and obviously Mickey. Hello Mickey. Hello fellow, you alright? Not too bad, thank you. We've actually got three guests today. Uh, firstly, we welcome Neil for the first time, Neil Fizzler. How you doing mate? Hello mate, how are you? You alright? Not too bad. And we welcome back uh, Matt. Evening, how are you? Not too bad. And obviously, Phil Clark rounds up them three. How are you doing, Phil? I'm very well, Omar. Cool. Uh, I guess we'll go straight into it, guys. Obviously, this week, a uh, main talking point, or last week from the club, well, through the Fire Sports Club, we found out that provisional plans have been put in place for next season with uh, season tickets being limited. To round it up, if you haven't seen it, we've got potentially 900 more season tickets going on sale, date yet unknown. Uh, so far, the club's sold approximately 2,600. 
And obviously with the capacity reduced to just under 6,000, we're looking at a bit of a scramble for tickets. I think the main talking point is, is obviously how we're going to try and dish out based on who deserves what. But so far from what we've got from the club is it's going to be a kind of first come, first side for existing season ticket holders. Mickey, I'll come to you first, mate. What's your first thoughts, obviously, on the season ticket plans? I think that, I mean, I think the communication should have really been done. If it was a consultation or looking to do a consultation, then I think we should have been told this is a consultation because the problem being is the way the communication was put out, this is if, you know, if you missed, you, you missed the first bit of it, didn't really pay much attention to it and read the detail, then all of a sudden it, it was, it was telling, you know, you're reading it and you're thinking, Mate, loads of people are going to miss out. How are you deciding? That's not right. We can't decide this. We can't decide that. I mean, you, you automatically got loads of people's backs up for no reason. Um, and it just didn't make any sense. Now with the email, was obviously come out, which I bet you, you'll probably um, touch on in a bit. It, it's, again, it, it's completely different... Um, different messages whilst we know obviously that they have to at some point let us back into the stadium it was a bit out of the blue kind of no one expected it or see it saw it coming so i think it kind of caught people a little bit off guard but it's kind of in my opinion at least they're making plans for something they don't quite know what's going to happen yet so it's kind of they're shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because obviously i know they're kind of looking i mean let's be honest we don't know if there's going to be a second wave or just everything's going to be happening we might not be back to at the den till next season, but we know the season after. Who really yeah, knows? Enough because I mean, the government wants us all back in places. So of course. I think but then the obviously fair, the issue got... was always, always October was always going to be the date where we were going back. Um, I I knew um, that it was in the capacity. I was told that there was going to be possibly a ten percent away fan capacity, but that looks as if that's been pushed to the side now. But definitely knew there was going to be ten twenty percent. Um, maybe 30, you know, 30%, but all depends on how many season tickets you sold. And then you've got the worry of how many you sold, do you get more in, um, and what happens next year, and how many people are going to piss off this year and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, Before I get over to the guys, I just thought, obviously, I'll finish what, what was said last week. We obviously was told 5,994 was going to be the capacity advice for next season, which is obviously approximately 30% of the stadium. 2,600 season tickets have been sold with 900 season tickets left on a first-come, first-served basis. That's how it was worded anyway from the MSC last week, which obviously raffles some feathers, but they're quick to clarify. It's going to be based on who have had a season ticket last season. So it can't be no one that's ever had a season ticket before. So obviously that's fair enough there. Uh, the rest of it was obviously you're left with about 2,000 odd tickets, which will be kind of going open up to members or obviously season tickets from last season. Um, but you can't guarantee you get a ticket for every game. They're talking about one every other game. So, uh, Neil, I'll come to you first, my friend. Um, what's your thoughts, obviously, on the plans that they've kind of released so far for uh, post-COVID to let fans back in? And also, I guess, what you thought of the statement that was released from the club and MSA? I think the club are caught between half and the fireplace, really. Nobody knows what's going on. Whatever they do is going to be wrong. They can't plan with any great certainty because the government seemed to change their mind every five minutes. You look at the other day, all of a sudden you were allowed to have fans into a cricket ground and then two days before they said, nope, you can't do that. You can't have the 
you know, there are people in the snooker and they said, but you can't have them in after tonight or, or well, after this afternoon. I don't think you're going to please anyone. It's, it's an awful situation, but I think you just have to accept that we're in extraordinary times and you've just got to get on with it, really. I think we're all in agreement, at least, that, I mean, obviously 2,600 people had the finances to renew straight away. I mean, Matt and Phil, it's obviously quite good that they've obviously rewarded the guys that have obviously put money into the club and supported them during a tough time at the moment. Uh, Phil, I guess I'll come to you first. Like, obviously, I think that was quite important. I remember we discussed it a few weeks ago with Major on the show. Yeah, I think, you know, people have put their money up already, then it's quite right they should have the opportunity. There are... I think five or six hundred people that weren't season ticket holders last season that had already bought this season, uh, which you know might upset some people. But the reality is they were prepared to put their money up when others maybe needed to, you know, make different decisions with their finances. Or you know, the, I think the biggest bone of contention is people weren't aware the deadline was going to shut. Therefore, you know, it, they woke up one morning maybe payday ready to buy and suddenly it shut. But I'm pretty sure from looking back, they were selling season tickets all the way through April and into May. So, you know, there was there was quite a lot of time for people to do it. Um, it, it is very difficult for the club. There's no way you're going to be able to take, because we keep talking about eight or 9,000 season ticket holders, but actually it's normally an attendance of 14,000. We're trying to get down to five or 6,000. You know, there'll be a lot of people who don't have a season ticket, but they still go every week. You know, so it's it's going to be disappointing for a lot of people, I think. I know I've got a few friends, obviously, that saw they, I think the club delayed the early birds kind of window, didn't they? I think it was originally meant to be first week of April. And then obviously, I think through the SLO, they released an update saying that it's going to be extended. So obviously, a lot of people were happy about that, thinking obviously there's no rush to get the tickets in the end. But obviously, little did we know. I mean, I know a few people have tried to go on and renew. And obviously, the site's under maintenance. I think they're moving over to a new provider for tickets. Uh, Matt, have you got your ticket? Have you got your season tickets for next season? Yeah, you've got an unhappy 10-year-old. He's uh, by purchasing his ticket in March. He will be one of the 2,000-odd that will be there. Um, no, I, I just want to like sort of echo what Phil said. Like, the offer, like those who had the, the money at the time to to um, purchase the tickets in the early before was, was um, they didn't know it was going to happen. So it was just one of those things that, you know, what people do and uh and as you say the early bird offer was extended through april may um and obviously the opportunity to purchase tickets were there so you know rightly so the only thing is the sort of like the first come first serve um most, i mean i feel i feel so people like from probably haven't purchased tickets that are season ticket offers that we went to let's say five away games last year but may not be the first 900 to get a ticket this time around. So I think the club needs to rethink about how they would give those people that are more loyal, maybe a first refusal opportunity uh, before they do the first come first serve. Um, but no, we're, we're, it's, it's one of those, and you said it right. I think there isn't a right answer to this one. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. And, but, you know, the fact that we at least are going to get some fans in the, the stadium is is more encouraging than looking at Carble as the coin in the Millwall kit, to be perfectly honest with you. Zane, no, it's a good point. I mean, I think the 900 thing is a really difficult one because I kind of thought that the club might allow everybody from last year to renew this year 
therefore keep everybody happy they've got a season ticket but make it clear when they bought it they wouldn't necessarily get into every game maybe one in three and you're buying it on that basis so you're going into it with your eyes open but also the club get the money which you know clearly cash flow is quite important so you know I was hoping they might do that trying to whittle whatever it is four or five thousand people down to 900 if you do it on away loyalty points then that obviously you know is going to reward some people if you do it on people who've had season tickets longest then what if you're a dad who's had a season ticket for 20 years your kid's eight mm. years old and he's had a season ticket three years what you go and he doesn't um mm. I, I just you know th there's no way of really keeping everybody happy uh with this so i think it's just um yeah difficult one it's as if you want to do like remember FA Cup, the priority of how we got tickets through that. You know, I mean, as much as I remember the FA Cup, that side of, um, but getting the tickets, you know, it's like those who've got let's say points, right? This is your four day window to buy your season ticket. If you don't get it, then we go from 500 points and above on, and you know, what I mean, and you know then you've got that opportunity. You don't take that opportunity more for you. You know, you're putting yourself in a, in a lottery to four people come on. So yeah, that's, that's what I, I think would. Um, I agree. I, I, I agree with, I agree with Phil. I think, you know, I think the club's damned. Uh, and well, I agree with Neil. I think, you know, they're damned if they do it, damned if they don't. Um, no matter what they're going to do, people are going to lose out. I'm not a, I'm not a season ticket. I'm a membership, and, and as I said before, you know I, I buy my ticket on match days because I like moving around the stadium and sitting with pals and stuff. So, you know, um, depending where I am, depending obviously if I go in a box or go here, there, everywhere else, so it works out easy for me. But you know what? I think that if you make sure that you've got facility for people to see the game, I think that will be one option what people will be okay with. If you go, look, it's on iFollow or Sky's going to show it or BT or thing. I think Amazon are going to be showing championship games this season as well. Um, really? Yeah, I think so. And then um, well, if, the only reason I say that is that if you look at, there's been a couple of um, Amazon ads out with all the championship clubs with their logo in the bottom right-hand corner. And mm -hmm. whether or not that's a, a, you know, a subtle advertising ploy for people to just um, you know, post that picture everywhere. I don't know, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. I can't see them just doing premiership. They're, they're starting to invest money into it. So it is. But what do you do? Do a ballot, then the people who don't have it. And do you think that you're not going to get any people turn up at the gates? You're going to have loads there to see if they can, you know, chance their arm to get in and whatnot. So logistically, it's going to be a fucking nightmare. Um, and also, how many people out of that, out of the season ticket holders, potentially in high risk, don't want to come. How many normal people in the normal age brackets say, you know what, I don't really want to risk it at the moment. Um, we'll leave it as it is. You know, I'll wait till it fixes up a bit better. So, um, so yeah, we'll see where we go from there. There's a lot of talking points of it. I mean, how can you justify if I think they're saying maximum two people per bubble, but if your family of three or four, they'll try and accommodate you. But what if your family of five or six? I'm sure there's circumstances where it's like that. I think a lot of it is, I think that's why I kind of feel like until they know for the, the cold facts and everything's clear as day, I, I kind of appreciate them trying to put something out there saying we're working on it. But at the same time, you're just kind of making a lot of speculation when in reality they're controlled by, as I said in their email today, 
they're waiting to hear from the sports ground safety authority. So, I mean, that's going to be the facts and the cold truth there. But until we hear from that, I feel like all this is kind of, whilst they're letting us know, it's kind of all in theory, if that makes sense. The problem you can imagine agree, is, yeah. is that you're not going to, for instance, you look at different parts of the country with lockdown, I bet they're going to come into place. So, you know, lights at Leicester, Blackburn, Bradford, et cetera, et cetera, where Preston, et cetera, et cetera. The FA and all that aren't going to be able to go, well, Millwall can have people in their stadium, but Preston can't. And, you know, the problem you've got then is that you've got Millwall playing or or at, I don't know, Leicester or wherever, you know, wherever we play, we play. And you've got these towns in high risk and you don't have, you know, our fans aren't there, but you've got fans there. Is there a potential of a ball goes for a throw out that they go to pick up the ball? Are they at risk, you know, because of close cooks, you know, touching mm-hmm. anything, doing this, that and the other? You, you just don't know, do you? So I don't know what the risks associating with it is and the club going to look for that on the... On a on a risk assessment basis, um, but it does make you wonder. I believe what the, that statement came out that everyone who goes to the ground every every game can get temperature. So you know, if you but that proves nothing. Don't have a cup of coffee before you start. No, no, but that's, that's I mean, that's like officially your version of turning you away at the uh, at the door. If um, if you've got a high temperature, yeah, even if it ain't COVID related, you're, you're yeah, but I mean, you know, if it's hour and a half, you think another way, if it's hour and a half testing, what they're saying they're working on is starting to prove feasible. What's that? Everyone gets to a football ground two hours before you get tested. And if you pass, you're in. If you don't, you're out. But mm-hmm. who's going to want to get to the ground two hours early? You, you know, you, you're not sitting with your normal mates. You're not going to be able to sit there and read a programme because programmes probably won't be on sale. You, you've just got a completely different atmosphere to watch football in which no one none of us has, has ever done it before um it, I, I wouldn't want to be logistic i'm fucking glad i'm not the fan on the board no more because it will fucking be a pain in the ass mate absolute pain in the ass communication levels would just be fucking i'll be called i'll be getting called a cunt everywhere you'll see it the director's box would be nice and warm though probably mate <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you know we got to the match day, but obviously that would have been a cushy gig for that. But I think that's it. I think you're right. How can you turn around and say you got to turn up two hours before the game, stop people crossing bubbles? What if, you know, at the end of the game, you're going to make people wait an hour and a half to get out of the stadium as well? I think at the moment, obviously, you take anything to see us play. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's, it's going to kill the kind of vibe of a match day for that reason, I think. But who knows? We're all speculating. Um, I think. We've covered a lot of it. I mean, has anyone else got anything to add on regards to the season tickets? Anyone want to say their piece? I was just going to... You touched on it. I think um, the MSC statement last week, the only reason it was a bit odd was because I think generally it was a bit left field from what people were expecting and perhaps might have been given the impression was going to happen. It was kind of, you know, and it's different from what a lot of clubs seem to be announcing. Um and I wasn't sure the club really needed to do that last week. No one's getting in the ground until October anyway. No, um, so, you know, they, they kind of said one thing and then at the top in the blue, it sort of says, you know, this isn't actually guaranteed. We might change our mind type of thing. You know, so it feels like it was perhaps put out to test the water. I think, um, I, and, I, and I think if you're going to do that, then that's probably where a supporters club comes in. We've had, we've been in lockdown since March. Where are we now? Uh, so that's five months. 
So I can't really understand why in five months, knowing we weren't going to have much of a crowd, that a bit of sampling wasn't done and, you know, taking opinions. And, you know, I know the MSC can't just do it on Twitter because it represents like, you know, 5% of the, you know, our fan base. But I think we could have been a bit more proactive getting a feel because there might be, might be 2,000 mil season ticket holders who either don't want to go, can't go, or a shielding, or they had kids' tickets that have now gone from 23 quid to 150, so they don't want to buy them anymore. So you might suddenly find that the problem is not getting 9,000 into six, it's maybe getting 7,000 into six, which suddenly is very different. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And look, I just think that, you know, you look at their email today, what's coming out from them today, and, you know, it says once, once that consultation period is complete, then the club will issue another announcement. Well, you know, that's great. I didn't but, know there was a consultation period. No, nor did I. That's what I'm saying to you. The communication, what's coming out, it, it is mixed. And I also think, the same as you, Phil, I think, you know, the MSC putting out that statement they did, just, and, and, and the fact that they were responding to a lot of stuff that night on Twitter, um, and Twitter's a dangerous field to play on. You should just, if you post something, post it, leave it, don't go back to it. Um, on statement-wise, because they were just digging themselves a bigger hole. Every tweet they wanted to post out on, on, on it, they were just digging themselves an even bigger hole. And, um, you know, it, they were just falling into all sorts of traps with people and being led down paths where, you know, they couldn't go into more detail. I would have just come out and said, look, we've had a meeting. These are the ideas, what we were putting across. These are the ideas, what we put back. We're going to bring it to the fan base. Um, make sure that overfit. I mean, look, they've sent out a fucking email. The club sent out an email, right? It's all, it's all electronic. It's all, you know, touch of a button and all that lot. How hard is it to to write a statement like they put out on Twitter before giving it to their own members for fuck's sake? To write a statement, give it to the club, and the club sends it out to every email address they've got, and then go. But even, but even that only, but even that only touches maybe 60, 70. You know, there's no, a lot of people. My my dad's eighty odd, and he's been a CCT older for 50 odd years but he doesn't get email you know no, so totally somebody agree. needs to somebody needs to be communicating with that population as well but anyway long and short of it is we, we are where we are yeah. um i sort of think that uh yeah that the, the, it just posed loads of questions because you had people asking well what's going to happen to my season ticket you know will i still have the same seat the season after um what happens if I don't want to go? Uh, will I, this coming season, will I actually be sitting in my seat? Because the chances are, you won't, if you do get a chance to renew your season ticket, you almost certainly won't be sitting in your seat. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to do that. You know, I think what you'll see is the whole way that you enter and exit the ground will be totally different. You won't be going through the turnstiles, but there won't be any stewards doing your tickets. They're going to have purpose-built temporary turnstiles at one of the entrance gates like at Zampa Road yeah. and everybody comes in there and then the whole car park and surrounding is the ground if that makes sense and then they have yeah. food kiosks outside um, and the concourses will just literally be for walking in and out of your seat rather than congregating if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Mm. Yeah. The, oh God, sorry. Yeah, can I just say that communication's never really been Millwall's strong point <laughs> up and down the years when you think about it yeah yeah i'm not being harsh here i think i'm probably speaking the truth communication the communications department has been absolutely awful i think it's improved but i think it's got a long way to go 
but but it just goes back to what we were saying. Whatever they do is going to be wrong. Yeah, they did spring the surprise last week, and I do agree with uh, somebody who said that you know about Twitter. Twitter is a cesspool. Absolutely, Absolutely. it is a cesspit, and. <laughs> You can get drawn into stuff so often. I know, yeah, well, I know I have more Twitter walls than Donald Trump. But it, it's all about communication. What could they have done? Whatever they've done, well, should they have set up a portal so you could answer a survey, but then you don't get people like I think it's Phil's dad? Do you yeah. get volunteers phoning people and asking, yeah, but those older people? Do you yeah. do things like that? Because I think I think a few years ago you had the MSC phoning up asking, "Were you going to renew your season ticket?" Yeah, 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 yeah. To bring back, yeah, yeah. And back think, so could they? So could they have actually have looked at that? Could they Good have point, maybe yeah. got some volunteers to have phoned up? Yeah, but the older generation canvassed them and set up portals. But you give us no easy answer, is it? Let's face it. Yeah, well, I'm just glad I don't have to make the decision because because we're always going to pick holes in it, aren't we? So yeah. But the thing yeah. is, Neil, you've just you've just made really good points there, Neil. But we have had five months to do some of this stuff. Yeah, and but I know they were the club, on for a lot of that. I was though. about to. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But you, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't have they didn't have to furlough staff. If furloughing staff is costing them money by not being able to sell season tickets and collect revenue, then don't put people on furlough. Do you know what I mean? It, um, they didn't have to do that because they thought that was the right thing to do. I, I just think in five months, there was enough time to do stuff and there was enough people, whether it was the MSC, whether it was AMS, there were people who probably would have been able to, you know, there's a lot of mere wall fans that are very smart and intelligent who are also furloughed who could have donated time to help. Um, if they wanted to, but I, 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 I would sort of defend the club's communications from what you were saying a little bit because I think the guys in the comms team do a cracking job. The problem they've got at the moment is on a lot of this stuff, they're communicating uncertainties, which is always the most difficult thing to communicate. Yeah, you know, they have improved for the communication. I will give them that. Yeah, but, but what I was saying is traditionally. It's oh yeah, yeah. A strong point, is it? You think to uh, before Billy Taylor took over, yes. our communication yeah, yeah. was absolutely <laughs> yeah, but it was a dog. awful, wasn't it? Absolutely what? awful. But Billy has improved it, but there's still a little bit to be desired, I think. Yeah. Now, what are they like as a journo? I've never had any dealings with them, mate. I only deal with the Premier League. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, they're probably not as bad as half the Premier League clubs that phone you up at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning when you've written some at the take issue with it or your WhatsApp's going at bloody up past 11 on a Saturday night cause, because a press officer has seen something that you've written and he thinks you can and he wants to take issue with it. But, yeah, well, I think, yeah, I don't want to plug the rival podcast, but, but Billy did quite a good podcast with Nick Hart. I think a few weeks ago, didn't he? During yes, yeah, yeah, I heard it. Yeah. You know, during yeah. the lockdown, and I think he came across pretty well. And I think genuinely, he tries to help. It's yeah, but it's another one of those jobs. I'd love to work for Millwall, but Christ, I wouldn't want to be in the press office there with something kicks off. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. look, Neil's um, Bill, Billy's a good lad. Billy's okay. We've not always seen eye to eye, but at the end of the day. Um, in the positions what I've had, it's probably best I don't see eye to eye with a press man every every um, 
every idea, every every comment, everything else. Um, we've had our wars, um, and and, that, and I've learned some bits and pieces with putting statements out. You know, different different strategies and how to put statements out and stuff. I've learned a lot from him. Um, he's learned on the job and he's done well. Passionate Bill Wall and whatnot. But what I want to do is job. Not for all the fucking team, you know, in China and that, mate. No, no way. Um, I've seen, I've seen some some bad stories in the press when I was connected up there and and seen, you know, him pretty much answering calls left, right, centre, and and I've seen the hatchet job what some of the press have done. So I wouldn't want to do his job. And and as you both say, you and and um, Phil both say, you're dealing with uncertainties. What what what? his news today or what is fact today could be fiction tomorrow, you know, could be completely changed. They could say, you know, right, 1st of October, you're going back in and, and you know, uh, the end of September, all of a sudden that's changed. No longer are you going back in the next day. You're now not going back in until December. You're now not going back in until January. So it must be hard. Um, I, I think that's why they've done the 900 tickets rather than saying, let's sell eight and a half, you know, let's, rather than saying let's sell eight and a half thousand, I think the advantage of only selling 900 more season tickets is if the government advice changes, mm. we'll only be committed to three or 4,000 people in the ground as opposed to whatever it is, six or five and a half, six thousand. So they can easily turn off the match day sales, mm. but let all the season ticket holders go, which is a lot easier to manage if we have to do an even further reduced attendance. Um, I agree. And we could be here, we could kick, we, you know, we can, we can lay the boot into the club and fucking moan about everything. But at the end of the day, we're all quite intelligent people and we've all been in, in our own fields of business dealing with COVID and dealing with the bullshit what goes with it. And you've got to look at it another way that their turnover stopped. End of. Um, and, and, you know, they still had to pay people, still had to pay players, still had to do business. Um, whatever way they could. So, you know, I think for me, the jury's out for the moment. Wait and see where this consultation leads to. Um, and if it needs to be spoken about, then, um, and then you know, we'll we draw the fans. Either AMS will, will start drawing points and questioning. Um, I reckon, no doubt, we can do it as a podcast. We've got quite a following. Whichever way needs to be done, needs to be done. But until we know what that information is, then I think we just need to suck it and see and see where we go. I know a lot of people aren't going, you know, after the, after the MSC um, statement, 30, 40, 50 plus fans who are like, I'm not going back, you know, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to get into a stupid belly. I'm not going to argue this and the other. There's 13 of us. How are we going to sit there when it's in bubbles of two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think we just got to wait and see where it is, and hope that it's done best to the to the best of everybody's ability within the club and, and fan base as a whole, and um, we don't lose too many long-term season ticket holders over it. I think looking at it, I think we'll wrap it up in it. Obviously, we've spoken about it quite a bit, but I think at the time, I imagine if you're the MSC, you're thinking, of course, our chance to get a bit of a coop, a little bit, a bit of exposure to kind of pull it out there and what they said. So I think you're, all you guys are right with how you're saying about the statement. And obviously it kind of came across that way. And a lot of it was read into it. But um, I think 
agree with everyone in here, to be honest. It's, you're speculating about something that we, no one knows apart from the people right at the very top. So until we know more, I guess we'll keep debating about it and keep to and fro about it. I guess we'll move it on because we've spoke about it quite a bit. Uh, let's talk about Troy Parrott signing for Millwall on loan from Tottenham. Uh, Neil, what do you reckon of that signing for Millwall going forward? Absolutely magnificent signing. I'll tell you what, yeah, we needed somebody who can score goals. I know he's a kid, but he looks hell of a player, doesn't he? You watch him and you think this kid can be a bit special. And if he gives us what we've been missing, which I think we'd have probably finished in the playoffs easily if, yeah, if we'd have found a goal scorer a little bit sooner. I think we've got to be careful that we don't put too much pressure on him because, what, is he 18, 19, something like that? But he looks hell of a talent and could just be what we've been looking for. I know people are joking about, obviously, the comments of the parrot on the defender's shoulder, but he does look that kind of striker that will get in behind, will cause a bit of a nuisance. From what I've seen anyway, I think there's a few goals that Malumbi's even set up for him in the Republic of Ireland, set up under-21s. I mean, looking at it, obviously, it looks like he's, Mills obviously agreed to take on the Tottenham player. Hopefully, it's the start of a good relationship with the club from Tottenham. Um, obviously, we've had Harry Kane in the past, the inevitable comparison. Matt, you hoping to see Troy Parrott kick on next season and get us the goals to get us in the promised land? Um, well, it'd be, uh, first of all, an amazing signing. It's, uh, he's, a, he's definitely got a very good attitude to football. Um, sorry, let's move on. And no, we can't have too much pressure on him. That's the problem. Um, we need we need right and give him that to um, score the goals. Um, I said Malou one balls into him. Hopefully, with Brighton signing Lama, there's a doorway for Malumbi to come back. Um, so. As long as we've got the right players to to deliver the service to him, um, and obviously, we'll either get or are going to have at the, at the time, will contribute to it and ease the problem. And no doubt he will be uh, the best signing we we we've done since probably or the best loan signing we've had since we've had Harry Kane. And like I say, we had that relationship with Tottenham. Not just Kane, we had. Um, Townsend going back a few years ago, and we had um, oh, oh the other lad, Ryan Ryan. Smith, Adam Ryan. Smith as well. He, yeah, so Mason, Mason. And, and so we, we and Mason as well. Yeah, so we've had we've had that relationship with Spurs, and you know it's a terrific relationship to have. So you know, no brilliant signing. He'll score goals. He could get fifteen. We need to obviously make sure that the players around him will be able to help and provide for him. And like he's going to be 18, he's, he's still going to be quite raw. But what I've seen in these interviews is his his talent, his um, his talent and his attitude more than anything else, and his desire what he wants to play. He's good. I'll add uh, Ryan Fredericks to that list of Tottenham loanies that we also had. So, <laughs> But Phil, I guess, what do you reckon? Uh, happy with Troy Parrott signing? Yeah, I mean, probably like most people, everyone's talking about him in uh, hyperboles. I haven't actually seen much of him apart from a handful of clips. That, you know, he's not played a huge amount of um, 
sort of first team football that anyone's probably seen a lot of him. But there's a lot of footage, you know, of under 21s and stuff, and he looks fantastic. Uh, I think it speaks a lot to Rowett's ability to make a deal like this happen. And I don't know whether, you know, we've had to pay loan fees or what, how that's all worked. Not that it really particularly matters to us. But um, I'd like to think that um, they've lent him to us because they believe we're going to be challenging at the right end of the table and we're going to be creating chances. You wouldn't let a striker go to a team that you don't think is going to score any goals because otherwise he's just going to have his confidence ruined. Um, so I think it's a really positive sign for how we intend to play next season uh, and how that works. I, I guess if, we, if we'd been able to pull off that Kiefer Moore deal, you know, having Kiefer Moore at sort of whatever he is, 23, 24 or something up front with Parrot at 18, you know, and then suddenly you've got Matt Smith and Bradshaw and maybe Bud Varson if he's still around, you know, older experienced heads. That's a pretty powerful, it would have been a long time since we've had a, an option of two out of four or five players of that quality. No, definitely. I think competition is obviously important, especially when you're trying to go up to the right end of the table. I think, It'd be interesting to see if, if there is too many players, will players kick up a fuss? Will people be looking to exit themselves? Obviously, will we probably see the end of a few players? I mean, I'm sure Rao has his own ideas of players he wants to bring in and players to move out. I think Kiefer Moore is probably one that's out of reach by the looks of it. From what I've seen, he probably... Cardiff, isn't yeah, it? looks like he's got his heart set on Cardiff, obviously being the Wales international as well. I think it makes sense for him to go over there. And I guess he fits the mould of a Neil Harris player as well. So I guess that's a no-brainer if he does go over there. Mickey, what do you reckon yeah. of Troy Parrott? <laughs> happy with that? Yeah, probably. I'll be happy if the other ones were rumoured as well, join. But yeah, um, I think Troy Parrott's going to be a good signing. I think Tottenham lot are probably saying what we did with Kane and think that, you know... I mean, I know Gary said, oh, there's no terms and all that, but a lot of these premiership clubs, Neil will back it up, a lot of these premiership clubs say... They want their player to play every game or as many games as possible, etc., etc. So um, I think that in the interviews I've seen with him, he's hungry. Um, he can score goals, and hopefully, we've got the service for him to be able to score goals and, and take it. If we can, if we can start attacking teams this year, and we have and we have a scoring presence or a, a danger in front of the goal, then um, I think it's going to be an interesting season. Definitely. Neil, do you want to touch on that? I think I've seen it before in the past as well, obviously, in the press where a lot of clubs, kind of, especially the big boys at the top, do have a lot of clauses in there that if they don't play a certain amount of games, they'll probably be recalled in January, etc. Is that something you're aware of? Yeah, no, it, yeah, but it definitely happens. They don't, yeah, they don't send players out willy-nilly anymore, especially, yeah, especially a good young kid like Troy Parrott. Yeah, they don't want him to come down here and sit on the bench for half a season. They want him to come down here and play games, don't they? Because otherwise he can sit on Tottenham's bench for fun. So he comes down here, they'll insist that he plays games. Yeah, but they'll monitor him very closely. They'll probably have scouts at most games and analysis and God knows what else. But they'll watch him. Yeah, but they'll watch him like a hawk. I think he uh, signed a three-year deal with Spurs in February. So, obviously, they've kind of shown their commitment to him. I'm sure Mourinho's intrigued to see how he does uh, down in the championship. I think, obviously, there is a big commitment from the club there. So, hopefully, he turns out to be a good signing. You can just imagine Jose turning up down again to watch him play. It'd be absolutely <laughs> sensational, wouldn't it? Show yeah, true we're style football. Yeah, we're all hanging off the edges and Jose pitches up. Be superb. 
Very true. We're going to talk about the other rumours, or are we just going to leave that to a secret? Go on. Uh, if you want to get rumour mills, you'll more welcome gonna... to. I was just going to touch in on the on the parrot one. I think everybody's talking about the similarities with Kane, but I actually think probably um, Malumbi had more of an influence on this than probably Kane did, if I'm honest. Because you know, in fairness, Harry Kane was I don't know what six years ago. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Malumbi having come here and being the under twenty one captain, and by the sound of it, they're quite close. Um, I think that would have had a huge influence, you know, and I, by the sound of it, I don't think we have many clauses with Brighton in terms of, you know, what we needed to do to satisfy their needs uh, with Malumbi. I suspect that's going to be different with Parrot, but um, yeah, it'd be nice if we could partner them back up down the den, wouldn't it? Well, the rumour is that Malumbi is just waiting on, I think it's Potter, isn't it? If, he, if, he, if he's in these plans, then we don't get him. If he's not, then... Allegedly, we got first refusal on him. Um, we're looking at Matt Lowe. Left back from Derby, right? Derby. Yeah, allegedly in Matt Lowe. The Burnett deal is supposed to be, what I'm hearing is supposed to be okay with Gary, but I'm hearing that there's other people in the club who have concerns over it. I don't know who they are, but they have Who's concerns. that, Bennett? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a few out there. I mean, I've got... Today about a young lad at Preston, Sean Maguire. Um, I don't know any truth in there. And then um, there's also another one from Derby. I think he's, um, is it from Derby? Is um, Marriott. I can't think where he's from there. Yeah, that Marriott. Marriott at Derby. Yeah, striker, if that is the rumour yeah. you've seen. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think there'll be, I think, you know, there might be some players at Stoke because Stoke seems to be wanting to get rid of their, um, their wage bill. Um, as fast as possible. So, I mean, I don't know. Matt, what's your thoughts? Well, you, the, the names you reeled off, um, Jack Marriott is a, would be a good, good signing. Um, but, uh, no, I've, I think, I think if we get Mully back, ideal. Um, I think we still need some, I still need a little bit, one more in the back, one more at the back, maybe left back would be an idea, would be a good, scenario um, and you know I think he's more of a case of just building the squad now building the squad to compete with the top six um, I I personally think you know we should go and hit those teams who are in financial trouble you're right I mean Stoke's got a big wage bill I think you know there's a striker called Gregory I think I remember he ain't too bad but <laughs> that one Gregory I <laughs> no, but um you know, I think, you know, he'll have his players. He'll have his players that he used to sort of manage and he'll have his favourites. So, like the Bennett one. I think the only one who's probably worried about Bennett is the physio because that means he's on double time probably uh, if, if we sign him. But, um, no, I think he'll, he'll have his contacts. I think, you know, and it's up to the recruitment team to just get him through the door. But Sean Maguire, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's not a bad little coup. But if we go for players that we need that could strengthen us, I would, I'd even go go up to Sheffield Wednesday because they're in. I don't think they're going to be wanting to uh, have uh, have any players and go after that. Go after Bannon. I would say why would you for someone like Bannon as a as a another midfielder? And then obviously that strengthens the team up even more. But you know, you know, I've I've never been I've never been so 
well, I say confident in the manager. I've always been confident in the manager and their signings, but this time around, it always seems to be a bit more exciting. Because, like I say, when we had Neil Harry at the time, it was always, like you say, keep him on a Harris-type player. So when we're linked with someone, somebody says, is he a Millwall-type player or is he a Harris-type player? This time around, I don't know what is a Ra- what is. Does anybody define what's a Rowett type? It's because I, I personally don't. But the names that we're linked to is it's it's actually really exciting. It's someone who plays for Derby. Or Stoke. Or Any of his ex players, yeah. That's it. Yeah, just a quick one. The, the sort of stuff we get on on our um, on the Twitter feed. Someone I, I won't read out their name anyway. But yeah, but they're allegedly going to DM us now. But allegedly. So don't know if this means anything, but only recently, but left back Luca Antonelli started following Millwall on Instagram. Am I right in saying he's a free agent and used to play for one of our one of the Milan clubs? AC Milan. That, that, that would be really left field. I think he's a he's a mid thirty left back if memory serves right. So I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out at this stage. I think that's the question, really. I think. When you look at Rowett, I was just thinking I was going to put out there: Are we going to see a change in formation? Is is five two three going to return next season? Are we looking to? I think when he was at Derby County, a lot of his sides weren't necessarily defensive. I mean, if you look at our five two three, it's I'd say it's quite defensive personally. Um, obviously, it worked well for us last season, and we absorbed a lot of pressure. But with the players he's linking us with, and the players that could potentially join we'll be looking to kind of stamp a bit more authority on the game and maybe change up a little bit. I mean, I think back to his Derby side, he had the likes of Bradley Johnson in there, you know, players that were championship level, obviously quite competent, but also they had a massive figure up front, for example, who's another player that seems to be getting linked to us a few times, but I imagine his wage at Burnley is quite high. So, I mean, it's interesting times. I mean, Neil, what are you expecting next season when you think of a Gary Wright side for Millwall? Yeah, I just want to go back and just, he will just cover Mason Bennett. I think it'd be one hell of a signing, but the geezer can't stay fit, can he? I th- he really impressed me with some of those games after we came back, but but you're just not sure, are you? you, you you're not confident that the fella's going to stay fit for more than five minutes and put a run of games in. And the, It wouldn't surprise me if actually some of the other in, uh, objections to him came from higher up at the club, especially after his uh, uh, Instagram video passing by Pride Park, <laughs> which I think probably tickled absolutely nobody. But you should imagine that it uh, set a few alarm bells ringing. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be interesting. I mean, Phil, what are you expecting from a guy right side next season or what are you hoping for? Uh, I think he's going to want to build a squad that's got more flexibility. You know, I mean, if you watch the, you know, if you think back to those nine games after um, lockdown, there was quite a lot of changes in shape and formation. You know, the five subs, which I suspect we won't have next season, um, you know, effectively allowed you almost to change half the team at half time. You could play two completely different, you could almost have an offensive team and a defensive team. Um so I think he's going to want flexibility. For me, I'd love to see a new left back, not because I don't like Murray Wallace, because I think he's been a cracking player for us. and He's a very honest, hard-working pro, but he is a centre-back at left back, not a left back. Um, and I'd like a left back. That would free um, Murray Wallace up to put a bit more pressure on the two or three that we play at centre-back. Um, 
you know, but also be a reserve left back. So I think effectively by signing one left back, Murray Wallace is there on the bench to cover, you know, two, to be honest, he could probably play right back um, to cover two or three positions. Um, I think the, the thing with Bennett, you know, if Mickey mentioned about any concerns, I suspect, you know, Rowett obviously really wants him, really likes him uh, and really trusts him and, you know, wants to get him into the club. There's no way I suspect they wanted to pay anywhere near half a million quid for him. Um, you know, and I would imagine that if there is any concern, you know, whether it's Berylson or uh, Steve Kavanagh, there's always that, you know, firstly, can he kind of toe the party line and be sensible? And secondly, you know, if we are limited to 20 squad players with salary cap come, potentially coming in, can we take a risk on one player who maybe has got a 30% you know, appearance rate? Uh, and who's still going to require, a, a, even if he's on a pay-as-you-play deal, he's still going to require a good salary to go with that. Um, yeah, outside of that, I guess um, I still think we need a creative midfielder. I still think we need somebody who sits a little bit further forward, who's you know pulling things together a little bit. Maybe uh, you're mentioning tactics and obviously chopping and changing. Uh, maybe Garrett will get some insight from Sean Williams next season on the dugout, uh, which is another news that we'll get onto now. Obviously, yeah. if no one's seen it, Sean Williams has stepped up to be a player coach, which has obviously not been announced by the club just yet, but I think it was South London Press that broke it earlier today. So normally quite reliable, Richard Crawley, I think it is. Uh, I think he said that also Adam Barrett will be the assistant manager on a permanent basis. Obviously, Callum Davidson went up to St. Johnston. Davidson uh, freed up the role and Barrett took it. And then I think it was obviously the 23s manager took the role as coach. But yeah, what we reckon of uh, Sean Williams stepping up to be a player coach, Mickey? Didn't say that coming, did we? Interesting, isn't it? I think it's, he's always been known to be that player. Obviously, since Holloway signed him, he always said he read the game well and he's got a left, a left foot of a wand or a wand of a left foot, whatever the saying was. But it does. it's interesting because I think uh, earlier in the season he was saying how he wanted to step up and or he wants to take on coaching after his season's finished and or once his career's done. And I think he's got his UEFA B licence already, which is obviously something a lot of people tend to do. I know Morrison was doing it whilst he was still at the club as well. Uh, it's an interesting role for him. He's obviously in that position, you could argue, where they read, he reads the game quite well and it seems to have a big of an influence. So it'll be interesting to see what he does from the sideline. It'll be interesting to see how Barrett and him, I mean, the same player, coach. I mean, is he being a coach with the first team or is it, you know, is he stepping into managing, you know, being a coach with the, with the youth teams as such? or No, it has to be with the first team, Mickey, because he's going to be training with the first team. Yeah. He can't be coaching them at the same time as training, can he? No, that's what I'm thinking. But, I mean... I think, he, I think he's more of a conduit. I don't, you know, I think it's a first step into coaching. I don't, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be putting the cones out, but I think it's more of a um, sort of conduit role where... You know, Barrett is the coach, but he's helping, helping with tactics. He's sitting in, you know, I think it said he's going to be sitting in the management meetings. You know, he's he's very well respected in the group by the sound of it. And if you listen, read the interviews with Malumbi and some of the others, they'll talk about how he was the one player that took time to help them and guide them. Um, and I think they're obviously playing on that. You know, he's, he's obviously got that sort of nurturing side to him, you know. Do you think that it's, it, it's possibly that, Barrett and him are pretty much like a joint assistant manager, but it's sort of Barrett gets the assistant manager because he's already got his his license, hasn't he? And I we, think uh, I think Williams has, hasn't he? 
Hmm? I think William. I think Williams has got. He's Williams got has one got his UA for B. Yeah, he's got. But um, yeah. I think it, it maybe he's the fly on the wall for Rowett as well. Obviously, to gauge the mood of the dressing room a lot of the time. And I think you know. I think of for example Rooney at Derby. For example, I suppose the manager's got a style of play, and Rooney's one as a player coach, and his influence as the game's gone on. I think with Williams, if anything, not to criticise him, but he lost his place in the side towards the end of the season, and I think it's kind of a twilight period for him where he might go from playing 45 games a season to play maybe 20 games a season and maybe this is a kind of a stepping stone for him and obviously if he's happy to do that we're able to take him on because obviously he's been here for a long while now I think he'll be due his testimonial in a couple of years time so you know he's obviously been a really good servant for the club Neil what do you reckon of Sean Williams stepping into play coach? I think it's more of an apprenticeship for him isn't it really he's going to do the old bit probably won't do too much will be a sounding board, I think, as Phil said, for what's happening in the dressing room. He'll be used to gauge it. I wouldn't expect he'll do too much coaching initially. Might do some stuff with the under-23s. And, and maybe the odd thing in the academy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's just one totally from left field. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got to be honest. I don't think anybody saw it coming. You were not even Mickey's famed sources. They were right in a minute, mate. My sources are fucking coming up. We leaked it. We we leaked the other bit, and that come up, didn't it? Then all of a sudden, on the Monday morning, it went in the paper with what's his name. We'd done the other one. We knew the match when football was coming back. That works, and we've got there. So yeah, look, my my sources are um are good. You're not one of my sources, Neil, but you know you will be at some point, I reckon. So once we get in the Premiership, then I start using you for sourcing. Yeah, you're well on I must admit, mate. I wonder who told you all of that. <laughs> I've got no idea, mate. No idea at all. <laughs> the thing with Sean Williams is, you know, we all knew we needed another coach with um, Callum Davison moving on. I suppose the surprise was that somebody hasn't come in from the outside. Do you know what I mean? The route hasn't brought somebody in from some, you know, a truck that he's worked with before or whatever. Um, is that, you know, is that because we've gone with a cheap option? Uh, is it because, you know, they, you know, Sean Williams is good enough? I will never know. I mean, it's, that's how it's cool. It's, you know, I read a lot of stuff online. People, you know, aren't impressed with Adam Barrett, but nobody's ever been in one of these training sessions. So I don't know how anybody actually knows whether he's a good coach or a bad coach, whether he gets on well with the players. Everybody, you know, people seem to make their judgment. It's always been the same. It was the same with Livermore. People make their judgments on the number two by just looking at them and how they hold a clipboard and, you know, whether they've got a pen in their hand. Well, none of us really know, do we? No, but I think it's just half ever, really. Of you, let's face it. Yeah, well, you go back to when Harris was in charge. He had what a goalkeeping coach, uh, Livermore, and that was about it, really, wasn't it? We haven't got bundles and bundles. We haven't got. Like, We're not big on it, are we? No. Expensive coach. We haven't got this. We haven't got that. And and I guess in these uncertain times, the club haven't had any income for a long time. So maybe. Yeah, but I, yeah, but I it's think, the cheap option, if you like. Yeah, no. I'm I, just surprised maybe Paul Robinson didn't step up. Sorry, Mickey. I don't think he would. I don't think he. I think he's he's enjoying where he is at the minute. Um, when we interviewed him, he was loving it, wasn't he? I think he's he, he's love working with the kids. My my thought is is that I would have always thought that Adam would have gone to Southend, um, unless he doesn't think he's ready for that step up yet, because Adam is a fucking legend there absolute legend um when he joined us he ended up still going back to their end of season do because 
all the fan base, the fan groups, and everything else invited him back because he's that big a legend for South End. Mm. So, um, him let's be honest though, you can have a job as a number two or three at Mere Wall on, I don't know, 80, 100, 150 grand a year, and it's fairly secure, or you can go back to South End, be a manager, and you know, they're not in great financial shape. You know, he's probably no. earning more money as a number two with us. Yeah, no, I agree, but I think it does show good for us that you know that he's obviously keen on staying with us. Mm. Um, I know that him and Steve get on really well. Um, one of the reasons I think he'd come here, um, and obviously Neil at the time, but but uh, what's he like as an individual manager? I don't know. He's done all right with the kids, though. The kids have been, you know, the kids have been doing good. So take me on nicely to my point. So I'm going to interrupt you there, but. The next point was obviously we're looking at transfers, but the under 18s and under 23s both won the seven divisions in their respective leagues. So, should we be looking next season to see some influence from the, the younger players? Obviously, Billy Mitchell stepped in. Uh, we had a few players, obviously, I think that Hayden Muller played the last game. Same with Tyler Berry. Are we going to see players come in from the youth, Becky, do you reckon? I hope so. I really do. I mean, some of the under lot are, are really good. I mean, you know, look at. Just look at how Billy just fitted straight in. Um, I think if if we can nurture those players properly, and I think you know the likes of Robinson and people like that are are picking the kids um, to do a job. And you know, I mean, look at look at Gaz's boy George. He's knocking goals in for fun. Um, can he do that in the championship? I don't know. Um, but you know what? If we got a couple of I would have thought they would have played him possibly um, on a few of these lockdown games. But you know what? If we can give the youth some of the cup games and stuff, give the youth a, um, a go and, and see where they are. See, you know, see if George can cut it in the, um, in the full team. Because, um, I mean, you know, if they can start scoring goals for Amy Parrott and whatnot, all of a sudden you've got a very, very fast um, attack option, what we've never really had. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, I think you mentioned Billy Mitchell. He's obviously made his debut the year before last. He had his season with the squads. Is he going to play frequently for us next season? Probably not. Is he going to have a loan spell, maybe like how Thompson had at Portsmouth? You know, how he went there, left the kid, came back a man sort of thing. Maybe I might be personally thinking that might be the hopefully the best step for him. I mean, Neil, would you reckon to that? As obviously we mentioned, obviously the other twenty threes and under eighteens. But would you reckon with regards to players coming in and obviously the likes of the youngsters trying to make an impression? I think Millwall have traditionally produced a lot of their own players, haven't they? You look back through the years and players that we bought in. Uh, the likes of Brian Norn, I guess, and of that promotion squad, we actually he produced a lot of our own players that season. You'd like to see Millwall produce our own players again because we're not blessed with the best transfer budget in the world, are we? So the best thing to do is to bring your own kids through. I think George Alexander, whenever I've seen him, because they sometimes put the under-23s on YouTube, he looks hell of a player, doesn't he? Let's face it. He really does. And would a loan period, say, at Orient for half a season or a season, probably do him the world a good because it would blood him. 
let's see if he's any good. I don't think he's good enough for the championship yet. I think otherwise Rabbit would probably have put him on the bench at the end of last season. With certain, it would have been pretty harsh to have put him in straight in because it could have, yeah, but it could have destroyed whatever confidence he had. Uh, Billy Mitchell looks a great little player. Really slotted him superbly, didn't he, in those games? Again, you'd like to see him maybe have a half a season or a season out on loan. Let's see if he's any good. But you can't just chuck these people in at championship level. No, I think we learnt that. I think in League One, Harris always said he'd prefer to put players in at League One level, and we did that, obviously. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how Fred Onyedima does next season against us for Wickham, for example. That could be an interesting one to watch, I think. I mean, who knows? Obviously, he never made it here, and obviously quite made it clear that he didn't want to play at the Den ever again. So... Um, he will play at the den this season. Obviously, not quite a full capacity crowd, so that'd be a shame. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting. I think we mentioned it, obviously, about players who are creating our own to try and raise funds and compete. You look at the championship, teams tend to go up that spend money, but also rake in money. So you look at the Premier League teams come down, parachute payments. I just wanted to raise the point. I mean, would we sell anyone, any of our top assets, just to raise a bit more funds and try and give Rowett a kitty to spend some money? Or are we sticking put? I mean, I think it's just, I look at the likes of Bristol City, for example, who seem to have come in to be a big force in the site in the league. They sold their defenders, Adam Webster, Aidan Flint, you know, they're sending these players for multi-million pounds and same with George Savile, for example, for us would, I mean, film kind of put on the spot, but would you be looking to maybe cash in on one or two of our assets to maybe reinvest? I'll be honest with you, I think if the club got the right money, then I don't think they'd be shy about taking it just because that's the reality of business. If somebody came in with 15 million quid for Cooper or Jed, you know, the player would probably want to go, assuming that it's a, you know, very top championship or, you know, bottom premiership club. But um, I don't think anyone's going to be coming in with that kind of money. Um, you know, I think the reality is all the deals you're talking about, Adam Flint, et cetera, and um, uh, I think it was a lad that Fulham uh, bought off of Bristol, uh, and Joe Bryant as it the fullback, you mm-hmm. know, they went for big money, but that was 12, 18, 24 months ago. It's a very different environment at the moment. So to, to your point, are we going to see more kids? I think we will throughout the whole division because I think clubs have got to cut their budget. There's still the unresolved issue of whether there will be a salary cap. If there is a salary cap, that's a massive issue for, you know, probably 20 clubs in the division, um, you know, to try and get under that, uh, under that level. Um, and I think, yeah, of course, if somebody came in with 15, 20 million quid for one of our players, I think they'd have to look at it just because of, you know, that's, you know, life changing amount of money to the club. I mean, I hope they don't, but, you know, that's the realities of being a Millwall fan, you know, you when, when are we ever going to turn down 15 million quid for a player? Fair, I think if we were going to get 15 million pounds for Jed Wallace, we'd have got it last. Yeah, we'd have probably got it a while back, yeah. Yeah, well, in January. Now you're looking, yeah, well, I don't know what this has knocked off, but it's probably knocked off a third of that value at least, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, if not even more. There's not going to be that level of money swilling around, especially our division, to go spending on Jed Wallace. So would we accept an offer? Probably if it met our expectations. Should we accept an offer? Well, yeah, we're better with him than without him, but you do get the money to reinvest. But are we going to get one? I wouldn't have thought so. 
not knowing what. I also I think, also you think look at, you look at... from the player's point of view, if there is a salary cap, then it's not necessarily guaranteed that, say, Jed leaving us and going to um, Brentford, just for example, or a another team, means he's suddenly going to go from whatever he's on with us, say, ten grand, to suddenly thirty grand, because teams aren't going to be able to pay that kind of money. So there might not be the financial benefit to the player to leave anymore unless they go to the champion unless they go to the Premiership. You know, so swapping from one Championship club to another might become far less attractive for the player who's settled with a family and kids and a house and everything else if they're happy. On the salary cap, I mean, going a bit off tangent, but surely if there's a salary cap for the Championship, there should be one for the league above as well in the Premier League. I know that would never happen, but. This is, I mean, the scenario you're looking at here is you're going to get it's the a different league. regulation, though, isn't it's it? it? I mean, and then the you've NFL, got the, like, yeah. the top three, though, then you, this is always the story now, isn't it? I think if you look at this season, Fulham going back up, you know, like teams that have a kitty behind them, West Brom going back up, for example, and obviously Leeds backs the manager and obviously spent a bit of money. But two of the three relegated sides from last season have got up, gone up this season. But I think we're just going to see more of the same at the rate we're going now. I think it's more to protect the teams coming down, isn't it? Or... or protect the teams, protect the rest of the teams, what are in the league when someone comes out of the Premiership. Because what they don't want to do is suddenly they come down from the Premiership. Say, for instance, West Ham come down. You suddenly don't want, you know, a £40, £50 million pound a year budget on, on on wages when the rest of the teams are on 10, 20, maybe 20 million top. Yeah, but, but you can't change that, Mickey. If a team's got a £50 million pound wage budget in... June and then they get relegated and they've got to fit under 20 they're going to have to be given a degree of time to re-engineer their squad because you can't just suddenly you know slash everybody's wage I mean I think the, the big issue is that across 92 leagues in the club I think it's something like 60 or you know that 60 plus have a um a wage spend their, their salary spend is you know in excess of 90 percent of mm. their income so you've got you know, Sunderland's wage budget in League One last season was twenty-seven million. Ours is sixteen. Yeah. You know, yet our TV income is like eight, nine million, or close to ten, and theirs is like two. You know, I mean, it, it, clubs are just spending too much money. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but it will hopefully protect clubs from this uh, constant chase to spend money and get promoted. Um, you know, hopefully it will make a difference. And, you know, I know we haven't talked about it because it's not on our agenda, but teams like Charlton, you know, I mean, Charlton are really teetering on the edge, uh, you know, and we've seen Berry disappear and, you know, you wouldn't want that to be us in two or three years' time if, you know, John Burleson decides that he doesn't want to do it anymore. No, yeah, mate, you're right. I mean, mate, you got anything to add on the subject? I mean, are you thinking are we going to cash in on players or you got anything to add, mate? I think with the current climate we're in, um, I don't. I honestly don't think we will be selling. I mean, but if if a if a, if, a, if, a, if an offer came in for like you say the the, the, the Jeds and the Jack uh, the Jake Coopers, then we'll be full not to turn turn it down because obviously we need to use the money to a build a team, but obviously sustain our financial. Um, credibility more than anything else but um, you know it could be the sort of players that are on the fringes that we could see uh, leave like your Skalax who scored a very good goal on his last appearance but um, but fundamentally we see them go then 
we bring the youth in. And as I say, I think the, I know the, I don't want to put too much into detail of the last game of the season because it was a a sort of almost like a, a fringe player slash kids uh, turnout. But what I saw of that game and the fact that they've won their league in the under twenty three shows that we have got some nice potential players that can just step in and likes of Billy Mitchell catch up up no issues. Tyler Bury could do the same, you know, uh, Hayden. So all the players could step up if they had given unity. That could actually free up the wage bill to a degree. So you know, the, the fringe players can can leave. But if if a big team came, I mean, I right believe he still lives in the Midlands. Um, so, you know, if Aston Villa come knocking, you know, or West Brom come knocking, with with a ridiculous offer, um, triple his salary and only live up like I only travel 10, 15, 20 minutes up the road, then you know, I think we should um definitely take that offer. And and personally think, you know, we would be able to replace him. That's the thing. There's also I think we have the uh, ability to replace him if any and if he goes or any other player goes. So I think we do have that we've done it once before, we can certainly do it again. If we um, don't have, well, we've got John Berylson in charge, so we don't have a fear of fetus anymore. So if a 16-year-old equivalent of Lionel Messi comes up, Mickey, do you reckon we'll go and buy him? As I said, Neil is shit with his sources. He's got no connections to fear of fetus. So um, I'm having to do a bit more digging and trying to get a mobile number for him. I need to confirm this, whether or not it's true. Theo, if you listen to this podcast, get in touch, because we want you on. Um, one, it'd be good to talk about your time at Millwall, and two, We've got to see if this messy story is a complete pack of bullshit or not. Because, mate, if it's in a million years that we could have got Messi at 16 years old and you fucking said no, mate, how do you feel about that now? And why did you refuse it? I mean, come on, you got rid of you got rid of Kale for fucking silly money. I understand why, but you got rid of him for silly money. Um, the turn down Messi when he's one of the best players in the world... Um, Mike could have been in the Premiership years ago just on the back of Messi alone. So um, you've got loads, loads to answer, Theo. Um, if you've got the nerve, um, come on the show. If you're gutless and you don't want to, then um, we understand. We'll put you in the same camp as Hannibal. If you hadn't uh, seen the tweet, obviously that was it. And if, you had to, if you've questioned Mickey's sources and then you think, well, okay, Messi, 16-year-old, I mean, I'm sure there is some legitimacy behind some of these articles that people put out there, but for the Messi one, I, just, I couldn't see it myself. I remember seeing Alex McLeish when he was the Rangers manager talk about it before how he could have got Iniesta and Messi online when they were 17 years old apiece. So, I mean, that's the only legitimate source I've seen for Messi before, but I mean, it would have been amazing if we'd be <laughs> But, hey, I think it's easy to look at. It's easy to look at Messi now, thinking, yeah. "Wouldn't it be great to have him?" But he may not have been particularly good at sixteen. He was probably tiny. He was getting well, yeah, bullied by big lads. Yeah, growth problems and everything else. Because I, I mean, you know, there's rumour that he had a lot of medical attention and, and you know, um, appointments and whatnot to see what was wrong because they didn't know whether or not he was going to get bigger or if he had late growth spurts and all that. So. I mean, there's part of it what could be really true. There is an offer that probably they were touting him about. Um, and he might have wanted to come to London. Uh, you know, I, 
my heart, I would love to believe that there was something in this. Um, but realistically, yeah, probably not. But it was uh, on that story, there was something from, you know, from Theo, whether or not it was a, you know, it was a quoted, it was a quoted um, quote. Um, and as Neil will probably back up in any second now, that you can't put that someone said it unless they said it. Can you, Neil? Mate, I'm still, yeah, well, I'm still laughing at the thought of a 16 year old Lionel Messi playing for Millwall. <laughs> it is quite probably the best story I've ever heard in my life. And if I wrote that, somebody would think I'd be complete and utterly bonkers. To be um, fair, it come from a betting side. Can you imagine the abuse I would get on Twitter and hot? <laughs> if I even went anywhere near that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but well, it is a well-known fact that we actually did miss out on signing Kevin Keegan we before did. he went to Liverpool in the early 70s. Mate, I've got a story of a guy. Kevin Keegan, I used to work for a firm. I'm not going to say what the name is. I used to work for a firm that was based up north. If you read Kevin Keegan's book, you'll know the firm. Um, I don't work for him anymore. Um, and enough said on the firm is there. But Kevin Keegan used to work for this firm. It's a traditional um, northern company based in Doncaster. Um, had a foundry and, and, and everything else. And uh, Kevin Keegan signed his first professional contract, or, or he was just on the verge of signing his first professional contract. He went into the manager's office and he said to the fellow, he went, he said, boss, he said, can I ask you something? And he went, yeah, yeah, of course you can. What do you want? He said, uh, I'm just about to... I've just been offered my first contract, pro contract with football. It's a lot of money. It's good, good money, blah, blah, blah. He said, I just wondered what your thoughts are on it. He said, no, nah. he said, don't want to play for football. He said, what you want to do is stay here. He said, 20 years time. He said, you can have my job. And he looked around and thought, fucking hell, he's in the arse end of a factory, uh, stuck in a dark room. I think I'm going to play football. And that's what made his decision to fucking walk out of everything. But I spoke to loads of people out there who used to play with, Kevin Keegan on the social team. Kevin Keegan used to play on the social team because I think his dad and whatnot used to work for this company. In the area, everyone worked for it. But yeah, that was um, quite a, a comical story. You come back a few times up there and all that. But yeah, he spoke to the manager and didn't want to, didn't want his job in 20 years. So he decided to uh, go do his football and obviously the rest is history now. Part of me actually thinks that the messy thing's complete bollocks because correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Barcelona sign him as a kid and take the family to live in Spain because they were quite sure of his ability and they wanted him to play for them and whatever else? Yeah, well, I could be wrong, but... I thought he, I thought he signed for Barcelona when he was a kid. Um, it, and, and the fact that it come from a betting site... Um, and most of these stories will come from betting sites, so they're for clickbait. Um, yeah, but so, done with odds, aren't they? Yeah, but so, that's like to get people in there and yeah. to offer odds. So, like that. Chances are. But again, the only person who can confirm or deny it will be Ferrapathias. Yeah, who was the manager at the time? McGee? Dennis Wise, wasn't it? Yeah, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Wise. Wise. Yeah, but let's get Dennis Wise on. Yeah, yeah, can do. I've got his mobile. Have you? Yeah, I have, yeah. <laughs> Text him then. <laughs> Text him by the end of the show and ask him if it's true. I haven't texted for a long time, but I will do. I used to, um, 
uh, we didn't go on holiday, but I used to see him on holiday. We always used to go at the same time, the same place. Fucking hell, there's... Do you know what I mean? Now he throws something in. You know, when you text him, ask him if he wants to come on the show and talk about the FA Cup run. I'll, I'll find her. I'll think of a. I'll think of a more subtle reason to uh, text him tomorrow. Yeah, we, we, you know. we'd, like, we'd like him on the show to talk about message. the FA Cup run. That's the way. Yeah, just don't I'm... mention the journalist who used to work for the Suffolk News. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean, John Kelly? Does he know John Kelly then? The other one. Yeah, no, the other one. <laughs> Aldo. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, before Aldo, come on. I, yeah, well, I ain't going to name him, come on. Oh, you mean Stephen, Stephen Jones? You got the first name right. You didn't get his surname right. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Stephen don't eighteen. Know Stephen nineteen. Sorry. <laughs> Stephen eighteen. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I know. I get there in the end. Well, it's a brilliant story, though, isn't it? It's one that. Yeah, but it's one that you'd love to be true, but I don't know. I just can't see it. Well, just that someone text me. Um, they've heard, but they don't know. They don't really trust the source. Corey Smith. Central midfielder at Bristol City. Mm. Wasn't, he, wasn't he the one that went to Fulham? That, or was, who's that? Bobby Reid went to Fulham, I That's think. Bobby Reid, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Corey yeah, Smith, you reckon? Yeah, was Lee Evans your source, Mickey? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I just get, though, because of what we are and where we are, and, and Omar will back it up on this, our Twitter, mate, we get so many fucking people texting us and... And this, I mean, I've got one one who I remain nameless who fucking texts me more than my missus does. And I don't mind, so in case he listens, I don't mind. I've got no issue. But you do text me more than my missus. The Corey Smith one, I remember seeing he's due to sign a new contract for them. And he's also their captain. So, I mean, who knows? You never say never. You never know in football, but... Apparently left them yesterday, didn't he? It's an interesting one. Would be a midfielder. He's... I've seen him play a couple of times. I mean, you never know. We just put the ideas out there. The rest of them will go. Um, Surely if we say enough rumours, one of them will be true. And then we can claim it, right? <laughs> That's That's it. So, um, I'd like to see us sign a few people permanently. That's the only thing I'd say is that whilst I'm pleased with what we're doing, so far everything's on loan, which does come with risk and issues like not having a squad in 12, 18, you know, 18, 12, 18 months time. Phil, you worry too much. Let's just get to the premiership. Then we'll have enough money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll be at home. We'll get there. You never know. But why don't we ever look and scout abroad? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. We don't, we don't scout. To be fair, there. mate, I think, I think the, the plan was when from the last fans forum, Rowett and uh, Kavanagh were talking about doing exactly that. Uh, but I think, in fairness, COVID probably put paid to that straight away. You know, mm. for five, six months, no one's been able to travel. Yeah, but Brentford have got a, a bloody teaching assistant in France who goes around and looks for all these pretty good players that they pick up from the French second and third division. I just think we're missing a trick. I think I you're absolutely we... right, but that, that takes time to set that up and make that work, doesn't it? And it also takes, well, I don't you know, investment. Because we got, I mean, Alan McKenna who used to play for us. He's been a ref, he's been a player, he's, he's a, he was a good player, etc., etc. He's offered to do scouting for him up in Scotland and, and, and alike um, for expenses and stuff. And um, they didn't even have the decency to get back to him. So, you know, is, is scouting a really massive thing they want to do? Um, or are they happy with 
just having Aldo in his magic computer um, find and seek. A lot of it can be done by video these days. I think in Brentford's case, they've got... Um... No one likes a smart arse, I know. <laughs> No, but in Brother's case, they've got, uh, obviously, the Matthew Benemos, I think it's Michelin as well, isn't it, over in Denmark? So I suppose they tap into a couple of different resources that we don't quite get the luxury of. We can probably look at an American football team and probably an ice hockey team, but I don't think that'd be any use to us in the championship. I suppose, realistically, what Rowlett's doing, if you look at it on a wider picture, if he takes most of the players from Derby... It saves us some scouting fees because he's already had them and knows all about them anyway. And he's probably got a black book full of their pros and cons and everything else. So um, <laughs> that, that could have, you know, we just go through the teams he's played with and we just tick off the players he's played with. It probably saves us a fortune on um, on agency and, and scout fees. Very true. Is, you, you joke, but it's actually a very fair point. You know, the one of the downsides for Neil was that he hadn't really been anywhere else in a significant, you know, he'd obviously played in a few other places, but as a manager, he'd never been anywhere else. So he didn't have that network. Whereas you've got, you know, there are players at Stoke, players at Derby that want to play for Rowett. And I'm sure that's exactly the same as some of the lads he had at Birmingham. Um, there are people who want to play for him. So, you know, all he's got to do is get the numbers right and get the timing right. And if they fit into what he's looking for, he's got people he can call on straight away. You know, why wouldn't you use that? You know, at the end of the day, one of the toughest things for a manager is knowing if they can trust the player that's, you know, coming in to do the job he wants them to do. Well, surely it's got to be better to trust somebody you've played with, you know, or you've had, you've had under you for three years than taking a risk and spending a million pounds on Yuri Skalak. Yeah, ask, ask Holloway about um, DJ Campbell and Gary Taylor Fletcher. <laughs> well, yeah. also, but also, Phil, what you've got to realise is that his break out of football management, he would have done his own personal scouting as well. He was on yeah, telly course, yeah. uh, doing interviews and stuff and obviously being guests at matches. So he, he would have had a he would have a list of players and uh, that he would want. Yeah, so he'll have a wish list that um, go to um, Alex and, and, and Millwall. And so, right, I want him, 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 him. And, you know, it's, it's their job to make it happen. So... You know, you're right with the Neil one. I mean, I, um, when Neil was taken over, I thought it was going to be the massive influx of the youth players, which, in theory, when we were down in League One, we saw a little bit of that. Um, but it, it's it kind of like it plateaued a little bit when, you know, um, come sort of, I think it was the second to last of his, of his uh, managerial careers when he started bringing players in. But you're right, the railway factor is massive for a player to come in and... Um, you know, he's he's very exciting. He's, I'll, I'll say, he's, he's, it's hopefully we'll see these players flourish in the Millwall shirt. You, you do get agents offering players around. Mm. And I do know that they don't offer Millwall foreign players. I've been told not to offer Millwall foreign players because we're not interested. Yeah, well, it is a crucial time, I think, yeah, for Rabbit. I think he needs to, yeah, he needs to get that contact book, out And, uh, strengthen and get rid of Skalak and maybe one or two others. I, th I think I just, a part of me just wants to predict which middle player is going to end up at Cardiff in the next couple of years if we're talking about managers touching on, taking on their own previous players. But yeah, Can you take Skalak? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he did a cheeky bid for Smith. Yeah, I reckon you, I reckon you I don't think he will because I think they're going to get Kiefer Moore. Yeah, he's just rejected Stoke apparently. Or Kiefer Moore, that is. 
surprise me if yeah. he's coming to us. I've just got this feeling on him. I've, I've got a feeling that he's coming to us. Because I don't, I'm not I don't so know sure. if they get the play time. It all, I mean, the trouble is with Wales, it all depends. Wales and Scotland and all that, it depends what side of the road you are, whether or not you play for Cardiff or Swansea or, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're saying, where's the Welsh international? Cardiff would be a good call for him. Might not be. You know, it's like Scottish internationals going, oh, Scottish international, Celtic's a good call. Or Rangers. I, think, I, think, I think Celtic Rangers thing's a bit different than Cardiff. Um, uh, yeah, it is good agree, but we but... don't, you know, I mean, over there, it's like a fucking religion, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'd be interesting to see, but I, I don't think it's over till it's over. Um, I, think, I, think the re- I think the reason we won't get him is probably because we... No, I think we've made our marquee striker signing. I think they were, they were obviously, you know, they were bidding for more because why wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? They're, they're obviously looking to move him on. You want to be in the running. But I think the marquee striker signing is Troy Parrott. I think the only way Keith Moore comes in, if he's able to move on, perhaps Bud Varson or Bud Varson and Bradshaw, you know, or I think two players would have to go out to create space for Keith Moore to come in from a salary and all that kind of point of view. So I think yeah we probably we probably do want him, but it now is you know if you saw in the statement Rowett put out he sort of said you know we're not actually really actively pursuing that now or something. Is that, you know, I think that there's probably a bit of smoke and mirrors, but I think uh, the truth is I just don't think the budget's going to be there unless we can move people out. No, I agree, but as Neil will probably back up. I mean, some of these statements what managers put out sometimes is yeah. just to say. You know, look, we're calmed on you, and actually, we desperately want you, fucking, but we're not going to make it obvious because other clubs yeah, yeah. are going to suddenly throw the money at you. So, um, you'll feel spot on, I think. I think the only way that Kiefer Moore will come in now is if Matt Smith maybe goes to Cardiff or somebody like that. Bavardson and Bradshaw go. I think, we need, I think two needs two of the three need to go for, for one more striker to come in because yeah, we'll just be too heavy on strikers that aren't going to play. Mm. Yeah, especially at two million quid plus wages, signing on fee, agents' fees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll wait. So, to be honest, if we, if, if you know, I, I'm actually really happy with Matt Smith, you know. Yeah. I, so I personally don't have an issue with him being, you know, he seems like a cracking pro. He's one of the best goal scorers we've had for a while. Um, so I don't have a problem with him if he's used correctly or he's got the right partnership. I think the issue is more around Bradshaw and Budvarsson, really. You know, Bradshaw's just looked a real shadow of anything, quite frankly. Do you know what I mean? And uh, he just hasn't really looked in it at all. So maybe, you know, maybe his time probably is coming to a close, I guess. It would have been interesting to see what player we'd have got if he hadn't got injured. Mm. Not yeah, quite possibly, sure yeah. Got off of that injury, is he? He's never really recovered from it. I know he, he looked as if he was, but you'd have liked to have thought that four months out of action or whatever, it might have players have come back looking pretty good after that, haven't they? Mm. You have a lot of other clubs, so I don't know. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think, yeah, but I think he's probably his time as a Millwall player coming to an end. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? We've covered pretty much every various topic. I'm sure once pre-season gets back underway, we'll have more to talk about transfers-wise. Hopefully, I don't know, are we going on a pre-season tour this year? Has anyone said anything? Because I don't know if we normally go to Portugal, don't we? Anything going to be said? There's no time. There's no time. They're not going to be allowed to travel anywhere, are they? I think um, 
they'll probably have some. It'll be behind closed doors friendlies with Dartford, Welling, Costa del Dartford, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Charlton. You know, they'll, they'll they'll just do some behind closed doors stuff. You know, and probably just invite the uh, box holders or whatever it is, like uh, like last year. Yeah, they probably won't even do that. I'll, I'll no, that was tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, no, I meant about. Uh, yeah, but I think that they'll just play behind closed doors games against. Yeah, but against whoever wants one, especially if it's West Ham. Can you imagine that behind closed doors? <laughs> and stream it on YouTube. We'd be, be going mental, wouldn't we? Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Obviously, big shout-out to Phil, Matt, and Neil for coming on. And, yeah, I think... Mickey, you got anything else to add? No, that's it. I think, um, I think it's been a good show. Plenty of, um, plenty of thoughts to carry on and uh, remember if you want to get in just hashtag that middle podcast and uh, make sure you copy us in and, and just raise your points mate and uh, maybe next next show we can uh, we can get some in because uh, we've done our trial and new season there's a lot of new things coming from us so uh, watch your space and get involved maybe we'll do a little show to cover that Mickey next week I'd like to I think so break the ice a little bit but yeah anyway thanks for tuning in guys take it easy and see you soon technology should help your organization run better. Monday.com is an intuitive platform designed to help teams of all sizes work better together and maximize results. With Monday.com, you can easily customize your workflows to fit your team's exact needs and create automated updates to keep everyone up to speed in real time. Experience the power of a single platform that replaces your costly tech toolbox and the headache that comes with it. To start your 14-day free trial, go to Monday.com. This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the podcast is sponsored by Cox. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.